Welcome to you, wherever you're at, whomever you are with. We're so very glad that you are here with us for a few moments this weekend. Before we jump into our teaching, I do want to mention this great resource called the YouVersion Bible app. If you haven't discovered it yet, all kinds of great resources. Search by topic, anything you want to know about. It'll tell you what the Bible says about that. And if you look under events, you'll find a complete set of notes for this weekend's message. Also, when you're in your favorite podcast player, if you likewise search for Arlington FM Church, there you will find all of our teaching content. If you like what you hear, encourage you to share it, and let's get the word out together. Well, speaking of getting the word out, uh, we are in a series. In fact, uh, we're coming to the conclusion uh, of our series called Laugh More, Stress Less. And if you were with us at the beginning, you might recall that I asked you to uh, bring to mind a time when you laugh so hard, you couldn't stop laughing. And uh, I shared a story about being with a good friend. Uh, in fact, he had just been diagnosed with colon cancer. And uh, we were on a little breakfast outing, afterwards went to the hardware store, and I needed to pick up something to deal with our rat problem. And uh, as we walked down the aisle, uh, we were kind of taken back to see this one product called the Rat Zapper. And, uh, you know, as we read that box, uh, it struck our funny bone, uh, the uh, trap luring the poor rodents into this electrified tunnel of doom. And, uh, and then when you got one, it sent you a text notification. Well, uh, we had a good uh, soul side-splitting laugh over that. And uh, as we've gone through this series, I recall another time when I laughed so hard I couldn't stop. I was working for a group called Campus Life Youth for Christ. And I had one student that uh, he had gone through, his parents had gone through a divorce, and uh, he later identified through therapy that uh, living with his mother, uh, she was kind of heaping all of her emotional burdens on him. And uh, as a young 15-year-old, uh, you might guess he was uh, kind of being crushed by the weight of his mother's uh, emotional burdens. And uh, we took a day to get away and go skiing, just the drive, spending the day on the mountain. Afterwards, we stopped at a place for dinner, and uh, we'd kind of wandered into a place that was uh, a little bit classier than where we should have been at that time. They kind of set us in the middle of the dining room area, and uh, some reason, uh, that setting struck our funny bone. We started laughing so hard we couldn't stop. Uh, we had to take turns getting up from the table, going into the restroom, trying to mop up the tears, and uh, as one of us would emerge uh, from the restroom area, we'd see each other. The laughter would start all over again. Uh, but, uh, you know, I recall that time as being uh, so significant in terms of my relationship with this young man, uh, the bonding that took place, the feel good. And uh, it's, you know, that was uh, illustrative uh, of this truth that we've kind of built this series on, that uh, a cheerful heart is good medicine. But a crushed spirit dries up the bones. You know, there's two sides to that coin. Uh, one is the, the absolutely positive benefits, the wonderful things that happen in our bodies, in our emotions, in our relationships. And I would contend even in our spirituality when we laugh easily and we laugh often. Uh, but the other side of that is also true, uh, that a crushed spirit uh, dries up the bones uh, when we find it difficult to laugh easily and often. Uh, there's something going on inside of us that is not good for us. You know, several months ago, I uh, had a, a work project to do at my house, and uh, what we quickly discovered is that 
There's no way to get from the front side of our house uh, three stories down to the bottom side of our house with anything uh, that's, uh, you know, needs to be delivered. And uh, we were doing a paving stone project, and I bought 150 quite heavy paving stones. And uh, having no way to get them below the house, I said, well, just deliver them uh, to the front. Uh, put them in our driveway. And uh, I had four pallets of these incredibly heavy uh, stones and uh, spent all day and half of the next day carrying them one at a time uh, down along the side of our house where they needed to go. And, uh, you know, if you looked up uh, the word exhausted in the dictionary, uh, the new revised version would have a picture of Chuck Shockey next to that word because I was absolutely exhausted after carrying those down one at a time. And, uh, in fact, the next day I was uh, at the church with a group of friends. One of the guys looked at me and he said, um, did you know there's blood in your eye? I thought, what? What do you mean blood in my eye? I looked in the mirror. Sure enough, there was a blood in my eye. And according to the doctor, I had had a, a subconjunctival uh, hemorrhage. <laughs> in other words, uh, my eye was bleeding from the inside out. And uh, but what I found out is that uh, often those kinds of... Uh, uh, eye hemorrhages are set in motion by exhaustion, by working too hard. Well, all of that is uh, to illustrate the point that we don't do well in life with a crushed spirit. Uh, we can't carry so much weight around day in and day out and not have it uh, weigh on us and uh, produce negative things in our lives. You know, uh, one of the creative ways that they interrogated people in good old colonial America back in the days of our early founding of our country was they would lay people on a slab and put weights on top of them and they would continually add a little bit, a little bit more weight, a little bit more weight until eventually the poor soul that was being crushed would either fess up to what they had done, oftentimes saying they did what they hadn't done or they would be crushed and suffocated under the weights that were being piled on a little at a time. You know, that's uh, not a pretty picture, but it really illustrates the nature of this proverb that a crushed spirit dries up the bones and withers away our strength. It's not good for us to not be able to laugh easily and to laugh often. In fact, uh, we just mentioned briefly in passing earlier in the series uh, this account in Luke's gospel, where he gives a report of a woman that was actually bent over, the Bible says, with a spirit of infirmity, a spirit of disease. And uh, some of the definitions of that spirit of infirmity that this woman uh, labored under is literally a mental disposition. She had an outlook on life that was weighing her down, and she had a crushed spirit. And Luke tells us that she'd been in this condition for 18 years. And when I read that, I thought, you know, I get annoyed when I have a cold for more than five days. And this woman was bent over by this crushed spirit, the spirit of infirmity, for 18 years. And uh, when Jesus saw this poor soul, uh, he called her forward, Luke writes, re recounts the episode. And he said to her, woman, you are set free from your infirmity. He lifted the weights. He banished them uh, from her, her life. And then he put his hands on her 
And immediately she straightened up and she praised God. You know, uh, that's an amazing thing. They say that uh, love begins when we notice someone. Uh, and here in this uh, episode that Luke shares, Jesus noticed this dear woman who was being crushed by this spirit of infirmity. And after uh, uh, fielding some complaints from the religious snobs, uh, he said this, uh, shouldn't this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has kept bound for 18 long years, shouldn't she be set free on the Sabbath from what bound her? You know, that, uh, that episode of that woman being bent over by the spirit of infirmity, uh, that's, a, again, a good picture of the weights that we can often carry around in life. And eventually, we just begin to bend over crushed by that slow accumulation of weights and uh, maybe in this season of life that we've been enduring the last few years maybe you're living under crushed spirit that has become normative for you that's just kind of the way you do life bent over by worry and anxiety and uh, i can tell you one thing i believe is true with all of my heart uh, jesus wants to help you with that uh, he has the ability to lift those burdens and help you to straighten up and face life uh, with a different spirit. In fact, uh, one of the most famous uh, invitations uh, Jesus made, recorded in Matthew's Gospel, he said, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Uh, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and I'm humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Well, uh, here's the truth uh, that we're going to kind of wind up this series with. It's hard to experience the life-giving benefits of laughter and joy when you're carrying the weight of the world on your shoulders. Uh, we're not meant for that. We're not created for that. You know, it's been observed that Americans uh, suffer on a very high level when compared uh, to the dilemmas, the hardships, that the rest of the world faces. And while I believe that's true, I also know this to be true, uh, that uh, worry and anxiety can creep into anyone's life, regardless of their circumstance, regardless of their comfort level. Uh, worry, the spirit of infirmity uh, can come upon us. And we can live with it under the weight of it, and it's every bit as crushing as physical circumstance. Uh, someone defined worry in this way, that worry is talking to yourself about something that upsets you and uh, often imagining all the ways that this particular issue can go wrong, can go south, can go sideways, can get worse than it actually is. And uh, worry is, uh, as you might guess, it's accompanied by a whole host of negative emotions. Things happen in our body when we obsess over uh, difficult situations, and we imagine uh, how they could go wrong. Uh, it actually produces uh, those reactions in us that are uh, similar to a spirit of infirmity. Uh, here's the truth, though. Uh, for many of us in America, worry is a daily experience. It's something we do more and more often. In fact, uh, anxiety is increasing in our country as never before. And uh, despite the fact that we know worrying over things obsessively, uh, engaging with issues that maybe haven't even come to pass yet, 
We know that uh, ultimately that's not good for us, yet we worry on. In fact, many people will point to the positive effects, uh, so they think, of their worrying about situations. Uh, here are some of the things that people let, list. They say, uh, when I worry about a situation and uh, ponder the negative outcomes, when the negative outcomes happen, I'm not as disappointed <laughs> because I've already put myself in that situation. Uh, what a way to live, huh? And then others uh, think that worrying uh, about things uh, helps me control the outcomes. Uh, in other words, uh, when I'm sitting on a plane, if I'm worried about that plane staying up in the air, it will stay up in the air. But the moment I stop worrying, it's going to fall out of the sky, into the ocean. We're all going to be shark bait. And so the worrying, uh, the worrier in us tells us that there's some uh, control we're exercising over the situation when we obsessively think about it. And then uh, uh, very closely associated with that, uh, when we worry chronically, uh, we tell ourselves, well, we're problem solving. We're thinking through, it's like a great chess match of life and we're pondering, obsessing over the next move and uh, we're sorting things out. Well, uh, here's the truth, uh, research has confirmed, and you might guess, none of those things happen when we worry. We don't control the outcomes. We may, uh, we may uh, expect the worst, uh, but we're certainly not uh, thinking through the best solutions uh, when we obsessively worry over situations. In fact, uh, an interesting study was done uh, with rats, <laughs> going back to the rat theme, in, in this case, uh, they hooked these rats' brains up to uh, electrodes that allowed science, scientists to uh, monitor their neuro patterns. And uh, they watched what was happening in their brains as they tried to navigate a maze. And uh, then later on that evening, when the uh, rats went Betty by, they kept the electrodes uh, on there, neuro, measuring their neural pathways. And what they found was that the same patterns that were uh, excited in their brains when they were trying to figure out the maze, those same patterns were firing uh, in their brains when they were sound asleep, but they were going four times the rate. In other words, they were problem solving while they slept. In fact, uh, here's the, the cherry on the cake, is uh, the next day when they put these rats in the maze, they went right through to the end. Uh, they had done a much better job problem solving when they were sound asleep than if they were awake obsessing over the situation. You know, uh, scripture uh, kind of bears out that uh, earthy illustration. Uh, in fact, Psalm 127 says this, uh, unless God builds the house, unless God is actively involved uh, in constructing our lives, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, he guards over, controls the outcomes, Unless that's happening, the guards stand watch in vain. And then uh, this really hits home with me. In vain you rise up early and you stay up late, toiling for food to eat, you're worrying, obsessing over outcomes, for God grants sleep to his beloved or to those he loves. And uh, essentially what that's saying is that many of the issues in our lives, uh, if we can learn to entrust them to God, uh, he'll show us the pathway. He'll give us the solutions uh, even while we sleep and are at rest. Uh, you know, uh, I want to acknowledge something. 
that when we've developed the habits of worrying, we, we really do establish thought patterns, neural pathways that are absolutely hard to break. You don't just uh, decide one day, I'm going to stop worrying about things and begin to trust more. Uh, but I do want to say this, as, as Jesus comes into our lives to help us escape those life-debilitating patterns and lead us into better pathways, uh, he is absolutely capable of helping us change the way we think and the way we perceive situations. I love this text where the Apostle Paul is uh, talking about the great ways that God helps us change our lives for the better. Here's what he says, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, the weapons that we fight with are not weapons of this world. Uh, we're not looking for, uh, you know, uh, the positive thinking approach or uh, 10 ways to escape a, a negative mindset. Uh, the weapons that we fight with, on the contrary, they are divinely inspired. They have divine power for demolishing strongholds. And here, uh, Paul would, would reference the ways we think, the way we perceive the world, the way we, our, we outlook uh, on our difficulties, uh, would see those as strongholds, uh, mindsets that uh, are impenetrable other than the fact that God gives us divinely empowered weapons. We demolish arguments. Every pretension that sets itself up against our experience of God, against the knowledge of God, we take every thought captive to make it obey the good plan that God has for us in Christ. You know, it's been said uh, that the best way to break a negative habit is to replace it or attach to it a positive one. And, uh, you know, so maybe our negative habit is worrying and obsessing over the issues, the challenges, uh, the bad things that might befall us in life. And uh, how about every time we worry, we attach to that uh, a more positive uh, mental uh, response to our difficulties uh, you might say it like this, uh, God wants to help us turn our cares into prayers. You know, the things that would cause us to obsessively fret and become anxious about, those can actually be catalysts into communion with God. That's exactly where the Apostle Paul takes us. One of his beautiful letters called the Letter to the Philippians. And uh, in this particular letter, uh, Paul is writing from prison. And, uh, you know, if we think prison today is a bad place to be, uh, try to imagine 2,000 years ago in uh, the Roman Empire, uh, a penal colony where uh, they would throw their prisoners. Uh, they didn't even have cable TV back then. They didn't have a recreation center or a library. <laughs> they oftentimes didn't even have the food they needed to survive or a blanket to cover them from the cold. But uh, the Apostle Paul is writing from a situation like this. And the entire letter of Philippians can be categorized under this heading, how to live joyfully regardless of what is unfolding in our lives. In fact, Paul uses the word joy and rejoice dozens of times in this letter. But in particular, we come to Philippians chapter 4, and Paul gives us that good habit that we can... Uh, Hang on to every anxious and worrisome thought and uh, begin to let it give way as God will uh, divinely empower uh, this, these actions based on his truth. Here's what Paul says. 
Uh, rejoice. Uh, find your joy in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. We can, uh, we can uh, cast our lot on that uh, predictable reality because Jesus has risen from the dead and we've called on his name. He's with us regardless of what dark hole in life we find ourselves in. And then he says, because of that, do not be anxious or worrisome about anything, but in every situation by prayer and request with thanksgiving, Talk to God about your needs. Uh, make your requests known to God. And uh, he promises that when we attach that positive uh, habit to the negative habit of worrying, that the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and guard your minds in Christ Jesus. And you can begin to crawl out of that, that hole, out from under that burden of worrying uh, about this, that, and the other thing. You know, as I want, lead us in prayer uh, to end this study, I, I was thinking of uh, one of my favorite psalms, uh, Psalm 55. And uh, in this psalm, uh, good old King David, a man after God's own heart, he's going through it. In fact, he's stressed out. He's, uh, he's being overcome, weighted down, he, much like that woman that Jesus saw bent over by a spirit of infirmity. Uh, listen to how uh, David describes uh, what he's going through. He says in Psalm 55, my thoughts trouble me and I'm distressed. Can you relate to that? You ever been there? Maybe you're there now. My thoughts trouble me and I'm distressed. My heart is in anguish within me. So uh, it's not just a thinking problem. It's a feeling problem. His very sense of well-being. He said the terrors of death have fallen on me. I, I see every negative outcome uh, charging into my life. Uh, fear and trembling uh, have beset me, and horror has overwhelmed me. You know, David is stressed. He's withering under the weight of the demands and the duties of life, and uh, his response is like much of ours would be. He said in response to what he's going through, I said, oh, that I had the wings of a dove. I would get out of here. I would fly away and be at rest. I would flee far away, and I would stay in the desert. I would go to a nice resort in the desert warmth. Uh, I would hurry to my place of shelter uh, far from the tempest and the storm. You know, David's reaction is very relatable. Uh, when we're going through so many things and they pile up, we just want to get away, you know, and sometimes... That's exactly what we need is just to put some space between us and the things that are, we're losing so much sleep over. But many times, that's not an option. Uh, escaping isn't always uh, the best way to deal with the daily weights that weigh us down. And in fact, David learns that in the psalm, and uh, he goes on uh, to give us the key, what it was that allowed him to uh, escape the terrors of death uh, to uh, walk away from his overburdened mind. He says, uh, he learned this, that I can cast all of my cares on God because God will sustain me and he will never let uh, people who reach to him, the righteous, be shaken. You know, uh, as we pray, uh, I want to say to you that the same Jesus that noticed this woman bent over by the spirit of infirmity 
The Bible says Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And uh, you may think that uh, your concerns, uh, things that are causing you to lose sleep, weighing you down, aren't that big of a deal to God. I would say just the opposite. He notices. He, he sees when people are withering, and he calls, calls us forward, calls us to himself. And, uh, you know, what could be a more powerful weapon against the things that weigh us down, squeeze the joy and the life out of us, uh, than to know that Jesus cares, and that he invites us to come to him to cast our cares on him. And uh, maybe uh, as we're praying, uh, you would hear those wonderful words from him, be free from your suffering, uh, be liberated uh, from the things that are crushing the joy and the gladness out of your journey through this world. Uh, Lord, we want to thank you uh, that you care about uh, the daily affairs of our lives. Uh, thank you, Lord, that when we're suffering under the weight of many concerns, when anxiety is uh, the kind of the ruling disposition of our minds, uh, thank you, Lord, that you notice us. And uh, as we said, uh, that noticing is often the first step of love. Uh, and, and thank you, Lord, that you are able uh, to step into our lives and to give us a better response to our challenges and difficulties. You know, maybe as you're hearing this prayer, uh, this message would be kind of like that friend of mine uh, looking at me and say, uh, saying, did you know there's blood in your eye? And, uh, you know, it was just a result of, of carrying too much weight, uh, of my body giving way to the exhaustion, overexertion, and uh, maybe that's the way you feel in life right now, and you, you need to know uh, God sees you and he sees what it's doing to you, that a crushed spirit drives up the, the bones, and he wants to give you a better experience. Lord, thank you right now for the, the freedom that you're, you're initiating in us. Thank you that you're breaking those strongholds. Lord, maybe we've been trapped in that negative, obsessive, worrisome mindset for so long. That's just the way life is for us. And uh, maybe we could imagine uh, what life felt like for that woman. Uh, all of a sudden, she was standing up straight. For 18 years, she had uh, managed her life, bent over by the spirit of sickness. And uh, Lord, thank you that you're that one who can bring that radical, miraculous change in us. And uh, maybe our uh, outcome would be not only we stand up straight and tall and face the challenges that are in front of us, but we do it praising God uh, with a new song in our mouths, laughter in our hearts. Uh, for your goodness, for your glory, we pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.